Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you, Lord, because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth through your word. And I'm asking, Father God, that tonight, that the healing class will just be full of your glory, full of your power, and that light and understanding will come forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. All right, so we're going to commence a healing class the whole of this month, and... um, One of the things we want to really do in the healing class is to go through the Word of God where healing and longevity is concerned. Now, we are not going to base our, um, how do I put it now? We're not going to base our teachings just on our experience, but on the Word of God. Now, if we read the Word of God and we find out that our experiences is not lining up with the word of God. We don't form a theology around our experience. So let me, let me explain what I mean. We know God's word wants us to live long, right? And somebody dies very young or dies at an early age. We don't go about saying, well, we think God wanted that person to die or this happened. Or we don't try to build. We must admit that we might not have all the answers but we know what the will of God says. And I think sometimes people are afraid of saying we don't have all the answers. Or, well, I really don't know what happened in this case, but I know what the word of God says and I know what my faith is built on. So today in the healing class, I'd, lo- I'd like to look at developing an image of longevity. Developing an image of longevity. And, and what I, I really want to achieve tonight, and this came so strong in my spirit, we are actually the whole month of June going to be dealing with um, Genesis 24 and verse 1. So we're going to be looking at it in two aspects. First, regarding divine healing and divine health. And then secondly, in our material prosperity and increase. I believe that there is the will of God concerning these things, okay? Now, go to Genesis 24, verse 1. We're talking about developing an inner image of longevity. Now, the image we have on our inside is very important. The, the type of image we have on the inside of us. What we, what the image we have on our inside is what we actually believe. Praise God. Now, I realize this, that the world tries to form an image on the inside of us. The, the circumstances around us, the happenings around us. And that's why, if you look at the book of Romans, where we're talking about the fate of Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham did not consider his body or the womb of Sarah that's dead. That means that those things, and that's very important, listen to this, those things presented themselves for consideration, right? If I say, well, I don't consider my wristwatch, or I don't consider this table. It means that the table is there for consideration, but I chose not to consider it. 
And that's what happened to Abraham. His body was telling him, you're old. You're, you can't have a child, right? But Abraham did not consider that. Rather, he kept, he kept his eyes fixed on the word. Praise God. Now, um, when, when God began to deal with Abraham, I've taught that message before. Uh, you can get a hold of it. The inner image of faith. Or, or the inner picture of faith. When God began to deal with Abraham regarding uh, when God began to deal with Abraham regarding having children, you know one of the practical things God did for Abraham? He asked him to come out of his tent. Remember the story? And God asked him to look up. And what did God say? He says, your seed shall be like the stars of heaven. What do you think God was trying to achieve? was trying to change the image on his inside. Because what was the image on his inside? <clears throat> the image of childlessness. And now he's already mentioned that and talked to Eliezer and, and, you know, thinking that Eliezer was going to be the one to inherit. So, many people say they are in faith, but if we check the image that is on their inside, it's not the image of faith. Right? You know, many people say, ah, I'm trusting God, I'm believing God. Yeah, yeah. But when you check the image, how do we know? The image is that dominant thing on your inside. Okay? So let's go to Genesis 24. And let's read verse 1. The whole month we're going to build from here. Now, Abraham was old. Advanced in age. Look at this. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. The New American Standard Bible says, the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Now, if I come to you and say, well, uh, praise God, the Lord had blessed me in every way, okay, will that, um, how do I put it now? If I was sick, would that be being blessed in every way? No, I don't think so. Now, it will be blessed in some ways, <laughs> right? And, 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 and not blessed in every way. Now, the New King James Version says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Now, if I were to come to you and say, Well, you know what? The Lord has blessed me in all things, but I've got this cancer, I've got this disease, I've got this thing ravaging my body. Would that be, would that be a good picture of being blessed in all things? No, that would be a good picture of being blessed in all things. Now, we're going to deal with this on Sunday when we talk about material increase and that the Lord wants to increase us materially. Because, of course, we understand that the ultimate blessing that God brought to Abraham is the blessing of salvation, which is the gospel. We cannot remove the fact that the blessing that came on the life of Abraham prospered him physically. And we must be careful. Because sometimes, in an attempt to run away from a materialistic gospel and a, a, a gospel that is covetous, we now push everything to the extreme and say, well, it's not, it's not, it's not about those stuff and, and even unbelievers have them. Yes, but the blessing of Abraham concerning his health and his increase was attributed to the fact that God was the one that gave it to him. 
And, and what we're teaching right here is the fact that we are depending on God for this thing. When we talk about long life, we're depending on God for it. When we talk about increase, we're depending on God for it. And that's important, praise God. Now, now let's go to Genesis chapter 6. There's an interesting verse there. And what I want to do particularly in this first class is just for us to go through scriptures and just uh, review our mind, praise God, and just, uh, just see how by the Spirit of God we can get our minds renewed where this is concerned, praise God. Okay, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, praise God. Genesis 6, we can start reading from verse 1. And uh, I want to read the Amplified Version. Now listen carefully to this. These are very important scriptures and you make sure you pay attention to them. When men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair and they took wives of all they desired and chose. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not forever dwell. Now, observe this now. And strive with man. What was the strive here? It's when, like when you go to uh, uh, Paul's writing. Paul says the flesh lost after the spirit. The spirit lost after the flesh. You're saying, my spirit is not going to struggle with man anymore. Okay? Now, for he is also flesh. Some translation says he is also human. But his days shall yet be one twenty years. Now, God is saying, listen, I'm not going to struggle with you, but your days are going to be one twenty. Now, let's even assume, let's assume this is basic. <laughs> right? Let's just assume this is basic. How many people live up to one twenty? I mean, just basic. This is after the fall. This is basic. And uh, I was carrying out the research today, and, you know, and, and I want you to go do that, study it yourself, and see how people lived, right, from Adam, then up to Jacob. You realize that with each succeeding generation, the age began to come down. The age began to come down. The age began to come down. But that's not God's will. And I believe that if we are not careful, even in our generation, we'll have people just, just dying off. Even before they ever lived. Because uh, if you look around us today, really, if you look at like scientific innovation, supplement, exercise, gym, all the things we do to stay alive, a lot of these guys were not doing these things. So they were kept, and, and that's where I want to be big on. They were kept alive by the very sustenance of the Father. And, and of course, I know people can argue, well, there are people who didn't even serve God who lived long. And I say, you know why? I think, you know why they lived long? They've been around people who lived so long. It was just normal for them. They were not expecting to die. They were not hoping to die. At 80, they were not discussing death. They were discussing marriage. <laughs> Praise God. At 100, they were discussing childbirth. But if you look at us today, our conversation is fear-filled. And where longevity is concerned, the body of Christ haven't taught around it, strived for it, believed for it, spoken, over, um, um, spoken about it as much as we would 
where the scripture is concerned. In fact, I was studying something today and I was telling him, I said, wow, I've never seen this scripture like this. I mean, as I began to study these things, I could spend the whole month just teaching on longevity, on how it is in the scripture. Praise God. How it is in the scripture. And, 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 and you know, people say, well, Jesus didn't live long. You're not Jesus. And Jesus came for a, a particular purpose. His purpose, his purpose, in fact, the earlier he died, the better for everybody. Because his purpose to die on the cross was to bring salvation to us. So the benefits of Jesus Christ to us was not in longevity, but was in his death. But you realize that your benefit to this earth is in your longevity. Praise God. The more you are alive, the more you can share the good news. The more, you, you realize that everything that God is giving to us, you're not going to use the gifts of the Spirit in heaven. You're not going to use all these talents and whatever the Lord has placed for you in, in heaven. They are designed to be here on earth so that the message of Christ and the message of the gospel can pass on from one generation to another. Praise God. Alright, now, the New Living Translation puts it this way. The Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, New Living Translation, in the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. No more. Praise God. Now, I just want you to do a, a bit of mathematics. Subtract your age from 120. And just do it. And in your mind, have that picture. Praise God. Don't, don't, don't calculate your age with the aim of, I'm going to die soon. Just calculate it with, you know what? I've got, <laughs> I've got a long life ahead of me. And it, it, it has to be a good long life. So you make the right decisions. Glory to God. Now, go to Genesis 25. Go to Genesis 25. And get a hold of all these scriptures and go back and meditate on them. Feed your eyes on them. Feed your spirit in them. The, the scripture says the spirit of a man will sustain him in the days of infirmity. Make sure your spirit, you, there, is a, there is a substance of longevity in your spirit. I believe that if you will feed your spirit these truths... What's going to happen is when death comes knocking, you'd have enough of long life in your spirit is going to repel it. No matter how it comes. If it comes in a way of accident, it comes in a way of whatever ways it comes, what's going to happen right here is that your spirit is going to push that thing back. Praise God. Now, Genesis 25, and uh, I want you to go to verse 8. Genesis 25, I'm going to go to verse 8. Uh, but if you go to verse 1, Genesis 25, verse 1, this was when Sarah died. Then Abraham again took a wife. I mean, this was after Sarah had died, and Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah, and she bore him, and she bore him all of those sons. Can you imagine? Abraham got married again, and had over six, seven children. We have one, two, three, four, five, six children there. Yeah? Praise God. And Abraham had to marry again. It means the man was not thinking death. This was after having Isaac. He had Isaac at the hundred. <laughs> Verse 5. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Now, now look at this now. 
Verse 6. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward away from Isaac to the country of the east. I just want to point out something there for you. The Bible says that Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. So why, what did he now give? What did he have left to give to the children of the concubines? He says he gave gift to them. What did Abraham give to Isaac? He gave him the blessing. He gave him the covenant. That's the real blessing, not the gift. And that's something you should be conscious of in your life. Don't just be conscious of the material world. I told, I told someone the other day, I said, if you hang around me, the anointing and the blessing on my life will bring increase your way. And that's what happened to David. The mighty men that came to him, they were in debt, they were in discontent, and they were, you know, in disarray. But the grace upon the life of David came upon them. They became the mighty men of David. You know, you, you, you have to be where the anointing is. You have to be where... And when we talk about the anointing, we're not just talking about people falling down. We're talking about the grace of God at work and the blessing. And one of the signs of the blessing is it brings increase. Where it even looks like there cannot be a possibility of increase. Praise God. Alright. Now go to verse 7. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived. 175 years. So Abraham lived 175 years. Now, I want you to, I want to read the amplified version. Then Abraham's spirit was released. That's what, that's what I want you to note. Then Abraham's spirit was released and he died at a good, ample, full old age. An old man satisfied and saturated and was gathered to his people. I like the words used there. That he was, a good, uh, was an old man who was satisfied. But the Bible says that Abraham's spirit was released. And I want you to note that because that's a revelation that God gave to me. You, if, you would, if, you would, if you would not release your spirit, death cannot have a hold on you. And how do we release our spirit? By our words. By our confession. By our declaration. By our expectation. By our association. The spirit of a man will sustain him in the day of infirmity. So Abraham yielded, and we know that from, from, from the life of Paul. We, I just want to take my time on this room. I have to, I've not even started all the scriptures I want to go through. So this might get into next Wednesday. But look at this. Look at this. Abraham died at a good, ample, full old age. An old man who was satisfied and was gathered to his people. How is that for a description of a man whom the Lord has blessed? Now realize something, right? Abraham did not become a believer until very old in his life. I mean, history has it that they were worshipping the sun god, the moon god, and all those gods. And he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And his journey was this, this shot with God. And he was able to lay hold on this thing. Now, the New Living Translation says, And he died 
at a ripe old age. I like that word, ripe old age. Not unripe old age, but ripe old age. Having lived a long and satisfying life. I like that word. I mean, I'm just putting, I'm putting all these long life scriptures up right now. Just printing them out and feeding my spirit about it. It's like, it's like when you're writing a code and you write a code into the DNA of your spirit and say, this is our expectation. This is what we're going to. This is how we're going to live. Praise God. And that's it. And that's why we have to be aggressive about sickness right now. Because if, you, if sickness starts feasting itself on your body, what's happening is actually is, is bringing down your immune system. It's trying to destroy your system. The ultimate aim of sickness in your life is to cut your life short. Nothing more. Why? Because the Bible tells us that in, in Acts, how Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. How God anointed Jesus of so sickness is an oppression. It's not a good thing. And we shouldn't have big sickness in our mind and small sickness in our mind. Let's deal with all kinds of sickness. From headaches, fever, to typhoid, to pains, to tumors, to growth. And let's not think it's normal. Praise God. Come on, I said let's not think it's normal. Glory to God. We must begin to deal with this thing. And get into the word and feed our spirit this message and write this code in our hearts and in our life. And not allow the world to push us into accepting. You know, I, I'm going to deal with all those scriptures that pointed on to man wants to die and after that judgment. I'm going to deal with all of that. Because somehow we've been raised to just believe that you don't have control over how long you live. And that's why when people die, the first thing was, oh, God called them home. Oh, God wanted them. Praise God. <laughs> if your theology is wrong, you will justify all kinds of things. And we know that with some of the people we say God is called home, we know it's just in our own natural mind that it could be more useful and could do so much more for the Lord. Praise God. Now, this scripture got to me, and I'm, I'm going really slow on this because I know this is not something that's regularly taught in the body of Christ, so I don't want anybody to, to misunderstand and misinterpret Genesis 47, 9, and also I want everyone to get a hold of it. So I don't want to rush over the scriptures because we have to write these things in our spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, Genesis 47 verse 9. Now, this is very interesting. I read it today and I was like, for the first time it made a new meaning to me. Let's read from verse 3. I'll read from the Amplified Version first. Genesis 47. Uh, no. Verse um, 8. Let's start reading from verse 8 because of time. Or verse 7. Now, then Joseph brought Jacob, his father, and presented him... Before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Whoa. Jacob was the one that blessed Pharaoh. <laughs> Pharaoh was not the one that blessed Jacob. Today, if you have the opportunity of meeting the president, you will not mind kneeling down for him to lay hands on you. 
Because in your mind, you are made. You see even pastors jostling to go and preach in Asorok, jostling to meet the president, not because they want, they have any, probably any good advice they want to give. But for some, it's a breakthrough method. So you have them sta- sampling the, the, the pictures of how they met the president in their office. It's like Jesus hanging pictures of how he met with Herod and showing the disciples. <laughs> Praise God. As a minister of the gospel, your highest audience is not any president of the world you met. Your highest audience is the fact that you spend your time before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords daily and get a message for his people. Are we, is it a good opportunity if we meet with the leaders of nations? Absolutely, I believe we will because the Lord said he will bring some of us before kings and those in authority. But we should understand where the real value is. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Now, you realize we read all through the scriptures, it was the kings coming to seek advice from the leaders, from, from the prophets, from the judges. They were like fathers to the presidents. They were like spiritual fathers. Praise the name of the Lord. The president was not the source of prophets in the Old Testament. The prophets were guides to the president and they were seeking advice from them. And ministers of the gospel, we need to bring ourselves to that place where leaders of nations can begin to ask us for advice. Not going there to take brown envelopes and selling our conscience. And, not, and that's why when sudden injustice happens in the nation, you find out that oh, a whole lot of ministers cannot speak out. Because once you've sold your birthright, then your voice is muted. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. Okay, let's go on. Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and presented him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked Jacob, how old are you? (laughs) What question? And Pharaoh asked Jacob, how old are you? Look at Jacob's answer. Amplified version. Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are one thirty years. Few. Woo. Look at the word he used. Few. He said, I mean, the man said, they asked him, how old are you? He said, one thirty. Just few years. I mean, man, who talks that way? I, I need to, and, 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 and the Lord made me to pay very close attention. I've, I mean, I've been preaching for a long time. I've never seen it from the light I saw it in the office today. He said, there are few years. 130? The man calls them few. He says, few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. And they have not attained to those of the life of my father's in their pilgrimage. He says, you know what? As compared to my father's, I'm a small boy. This guy was 130. I mean, and I can imagine 40 year olds in our generation boasting of how old they are. Do you know how old I am? I'm not a small child. I'm 40. I mean, if you stood in the presence of Jacob, he would spit on you. I mean, do you understand? Like you stand in the presence of Jacob and you're boasting of old age and the man looks at you and says, how old are you? And you say, 40. Now I'm not a small child. He would look for the closest kid and flog you because you're misbehaving. Can, can you see that? Then keep your eyes on that. Can you see that? 
He says, my years are 130. They are few and unpleasant and evil. Why did he say they are few and evil? You remember, he sold, uh, bought his brother's birthright, cheated his brother, had to run to Laban, from Laban came back. And all of those things, he said, I've just been running all my life. But I'm, it's, I'm 130 years old and it's few. I haven't even lived up to him. He, he, was, he was saying it from a heart of dissatisfaction. I mean, it's good to thank God for life, but when you see how we celebrate sometimes, it's almost like this is the last celebration. We don't know when we're going to die. <laughs> Can we begin to reset our mind to longevity? Reset your mind. Develop the image. And raise the bar of living in your spirit. And we're not just listening to IMF telling us how our life expectancy is. The World Health Organization and, and all those stuff. We're looking at the word of God. We are making sure that our lives line up with God's word. Praise God. I said, praise God. Okay, now, uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. The New Living Translation says, Jacob replied, I have traveled this earth for 130 hard years. And, and, and I, 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 I needed to bring that out because one of the ways that people pass on a lot, it's, it's true accident. But you realize, Jacob spent a lot of time traveling, pilgrimage, working from places, running. Even at the time, he put his head on a stone. There was no pillow. But you know what happened? That day, the man had a dream. The gate of heaven was open. And he says, this is the gate of heaven, and I did not know it. It means that he went through all he could go through, but he did not die. And this wasn't traveling on a jet or a first class or traveling in a good air-conditioned car. I mean, this was walking through the wilderness. All kinds of animals, all kinds of bandits. And that's why when he was laying hands on his grandsons, he says, the Lord who has kept me and fed me all day long, all my life, may his blessing be upon you. You know, what I, I, you know why that is so strong in my spirit? It's because these people were conscious that it was God that kept them. They attributed their longevity to God. And that is why, you know, you remember when, when he saw that, that whole thing, the stone and everything coming, he said, I'll give you a tenth of everything I have if you keep me in this journey. You, you know what the man was doing? He knew that he was traveling on a treacherous land and time. And he says, Lord, if you will preserve me, if you will protect me, a tenth of everything I have, I'll give to you. They knew that it was God keeping them. And believers need to get into that. Because I, I see this now, and I'm, I'm going to deal with it. Because I see believers diligent in a lot of things except putting the word of God in their heart. For instance, I mean, there are people who should hook up to the Bible studies and make themselves available as we're teaching this. They will not have time. They will say, well, I don't have time. Oh, I'm busy. I'm going to get the tapes later. But if you tell those people, 
three times a day, 30 minutes exercise is going to keep you alive. You see them running early in the morning, running by 4.30 as if someone is chasing them. Why? Because they believe in the advice of the doctor in getting healed and living long than they believe the word of God. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to doctors. Doctors and pastors are fighting the same devil to want you out of this earth. But you, you look at how, I mean, just look at any simple thing the doctor tells you. Don't take salt. You know, one day I sat down and I said, and like I said, I'm not against doctors. We should do whatever we should do in the natural. God gave the, the Israelites certain things they shouldn't eat. That's not where I'm going. I'm just bringing out something. One day I sat down and I looked at all the things we can't eat. You know what I concluded? I just told myself, you know, the safest thing to just live on in this earth is water. Because then you can't eat oil. If you want to eat oil, use this kind of oil. At the point he said, you can't use iron pots to cook. It has iron in it. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that just to stay alive. And yet people don't eat 100. With all the jogging, with all the supplements. I mean, you see some people, they're eating. The supplements on the table is way more than the amount of pieces of meat they have in the soup. Just want to stay alive. I mean, they're jogging in the morning, jogging in the afternoon, jogging in the evening. Drinking bitter herbs to stay alive. <laughs> Everything. Nobody wants to die. At 60, the man is gone. Then you say, <laughs> and, 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 and there's nothing wrong in doing things in the natural. I, I go to the gym. I do all the natural things I need to do. But I know that my longevity is not just based on the fact that I have to do my gym stuff three times a week. I know that there's a spirit of God on my inside that's going to sustain my life. Are you following this? We've seen footballers even die on the field, sadly. And if there's anybody who should be the fittest, it should be footballers. Because they go to the gym every week. They have people preparing their food for them. But we don't realize something, heart issues or something comes up. What I'm trying to say is that we do those things in the natural. But as children of God, we should understand that there is a spirit that God is placed on the inside of us that can sustain us and keep, keep us long on the earth. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So he says, But my life has been shocked compared to the lives of my ancestors. I've traveled this earth for 130 hard years. Now, let's go to Exodus chapter 23. I'm sure we're going to build on this again. I've not even gone half of what I want to deal with. But I think this is a good subject to just spend time meditating on Challenging you, praise God, on the fact that God wants us to have an image of long life. Glory to God. God wants us to live long. It's not God's will for our days to be cut short. You know, uh, that's why for young people, when you want to get married, you also get married with this longevity in mind. Can I stay with this person for a hundred years? <laughs> Divorce is not an option. So you need to choose how long. If I can stay with this person for 120 years, that makes sense. Because you see that these people live long. And you should also be marrying someone who believes in long life. So you don't become a widow at, uh, at a young age. Glory to God. And so when you're getting married, and that's important now. When you're getting married... You've got to come into agreement regarding these scriptures. Of course, we know 
things happen. There are some people who spouses are passed on. I mean, it's not their fault. But what I'm saying is, if we have the opportunity right now, we're learning these truths right now, then as young people, we've got to factor these truths into our lives. Are you following what I'm saying? So you factor and say, what, what's your view of long life? And the man say, man, oh, my people died at 50. I'm thinking I'll do 48. Say, no, <laughs> no. You open all the scriptures and say, well, let's spend time meditating on this. Because you have the promise of God to see your children's children. You lay hold on that. Hallelujah. Come on, I said you lay hold on that. You put a hold on that. A man will never rise above his confession and his belief system. And, and we're not just talking about confessing the right things when you are in church. Your daily confession. Your daily expectation. Your, 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 your daily consciousness. You have got, you've got to build this thing so strong in your spirit that you're just conscious of long life. It's normal to think that way. This should be our normal. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. Exodus 23 and verse 26. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God is good. God is good. I mean, I, I, I thank God that we are a generation that believes the word of God. That believes the word of God. That believes the word of God. Exodus 23, verse 26. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I'll fulfill the number of your days. 25 says, so you shall serve the Lord your God. I like this. He will bless your bread. The blessing again. He will bless your bread and your water. And I will take away sickness from the midst of you. Glory to God. I mean, we've got God's word to take away sickness from our midst. You can take this for your own life. That from the midst of your body, God will take away sickness. We've got to keep our eyes on this thing. We've got to keep our eyes on this thing. If we feed hard and long enough on the word of divine health, our body will begin to respond in this regard. But I think that over time, we're not getting used to, uh, yeah, it's just headache. Yeah, it's just, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting used to this. If you would listen to scientists, I'm not a scientist, but the few stuff I've read up, people will tell you that your body was designed to heal itself. Your body was actually designed to heal itself. And that's why I discovered that certain times you have an injury, you just treat it a bit, the body starts growing, starts healing itself. Your immune system resists certain diseases. You were built to live long. That's what God has done. And you know, the things I'm teaching today, uh, for some believers, they look out of place. But you know the funny thing? These same believers, if a scientist from the U.S. or any of those countries that they respect more than God, would develop huh, a medicine and say, if you take this medicine, you would live to be 80 years old. Guess what's going to happen? They will go after it. And a lot of believers believe that a medicine will do what God cannot do. Yeah? And you see sometimes all these people who sell all these drugs, I don't have any problem against them. They should. They're helping people to live long. But you know how they get all these people to buy all these things? You know, if you take this tablet, 
you know, you lack vitamin D in your body, you lack vitamin D in your body, you lack zinc in your body, you lack this in your body, and they, they tell you how bad the food we're eating, how bad the air is, how bad this is, ah, and your body is dying, and this thing, they put you on a scale and show you this is 90%, this is 40%, you are going to die shortly. But this bottle, right here, because I know you, it's 12,000. How many drugs are inside? Six. Take one. It will cure this, it will cure that. You know, people sell all purpose medicine. They meet this person, he has arthritis, it will cure him. They meet this person, he has cancer, it will cure him. They meet this person, he has headache, it will cure him. So it was delivered, and this was built in India. It's not, it's not fake one. And bam, the guy goes, buys it, 12,000. And uh, say, so take it 8 o'clock every day. Man sets an alarm, 8 o'clock. Look at the diligence. Look at the faith. Praise God. <laughs> and you realize that if I say, well, this is God's word. God says your normal lifespan shall be 120. That the number of your days will fulfill. Yeah, I know, but we're talking of the real life. <laughs> Glory to God. It's, aware. it's Old Testament. But do you realize, church history tells us, church history tells us, that um, John... The revelator, the one who wrote the book of John, the book of Revelation, John was thrown into a pot of boiling oil. That's what church history said, and nobody has denied it. And he came out alive. He didn't die. In fact, they didn't know how to kill him any longer. That's why they banished him to the island of Patmos, hoping that some animals... Or something, you know how they, 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 those guys are wicked. It's like banishing you to an evil forest if you're a Nigerian. They banished the man to the island of Patmos. The man landed in the island of Patmos. Jesus showed up. He writes a whole book in an island that was designed for his death. Come on, are we serving the same God or something? We've got to ask ourselves this question. I mean... We're talking about putting a man in a... I mean, some of you have had domestic accidents just frying dodo. What's dodo? Plantain. Fried plantain. Just, just five slices of plantain. We've got to rush you to the hospital. One spoon of oil tossed you and you're like, Oh God, my father, Jesus, my mother, my dog. There is life and immortality in the word of God that we need to lay hold of. I've just given you a New Testament example. I mean, I can tell you of Paul. We're going to study that as we go on. How the life of God needs to walk in our flesh so that these things called virus and bacteria and all of this, when they get a hold of our body, they should just die off. That's where God wants to bring us to. That's the life that God Wants us to have, praise God. Now you realize something, right? When that venomous snake beat Paul, what did, what did the Bible say? The Bible says Paul shook it into the fire. Come on, and the people say, wow, this is a God. You know, people will always change their mind. 
If we keep dying and keep getting sick, people are not going to believe divine healing. But if we, if we, if we start feeding ourselves in this word and it starts showing in our life, people will start believing. Because when that snake fasted his hands on Paul, you know what they said? They said, this is a prisoner that has escaped and the gods want to kill him. And when he took it into the fire, the Bible says they were waiting for him. We're going to study that as we go on. He said they were waiting for him to die. I want to study the, the, the poison of that snake. I'm actually reading, trying to gather church history materials. You can have an idea of what kind of snake and what that poison ought to do. But this Bible said they were expecting him to die. And he did not. Remember, Paul didn't even pray about it. It wasn't a prayer point. I mean, some of you can hardly stay with cockroaches in the house. I know people like that. If you see a snake, you will not return to that village again in your life. You're gone forever. I mean, if, even if the snake were running for, from you, you will run faster than the snake. The snake has have to now turn back and say, Auntie, take it easy. Not that fast. I'm not going to kill you. Glory to God. But you realize that there was a life at work in Paul that was stronger than the venom of a serpent. We have access to that same life. Come on, I said we have access to that same life. Glory to God. I said we have access to that same life. Thank you, Lord. All right. Glory to God. Now, let's get back to Exodus 23, verse 26. There shall be no one miscarrying or bearing in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Now, I want you to see that word. I will, talking about God, fulfill the number of your days. Now, if you go to the verse before that, that's Exodus 23, verse 20, 25. It says, I'll take away sickness from the midst of thee. So if you connect those two, you realize that if there is sickness, you cannot fulfill the number of your days. Did you see that? Yeah? Because if, if there's sickness in the midst of you, sickness will cut you short from fulfilling the number of your days. And sickness is bad. You've got to just... I mean, I think all of us have been sick at once in our life. And the I mean, I hate sickness with all of my life. Just as I hate sin. I have the same passion towards them both. But you realize something. That when somebody's sick, the thing I don't like most about sickness, well, I don't like anything about it. But what I don't like most about sickness is when you're sick and they bring all the nice food in this world. I mean, and, and, and you know how people are good to you when you're sick. What do you want to eat? Then you mention chicken. You say, well, grilled or fried? Say, grilled and fried. <laughs> and they, they bring it to you. Few minutes before the chicken appears, you don't have appetite. They ask you, what do you want? Hey, you know when you are sick, nobody asks you what you want in this life. You know, that's why some people make money out of their sickness. You realize that when people are begging for money all over the place on social media right now, they lie to you that somebody is sick. You see how the enemy is pushing us that way, making us, you know, it's somebody can just lie. My mother has this, my father has this, just to extract money from you. That's how the enemy is pushing that thing to become normal. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. Look at this. There shall be no miscarriage or barrenness in your land. The New Living Translation says there will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land. God wants to deal with infertility in our lives. You know, because I tell people, right, I mean, you know, you can, 
You realize that doctors these days are helping couples to deal with infertility and we bless God for those doctors. But you ask yourself, I mean, I know people who do that and it's quite some, some amount of money. But then you ask yourself, how many people in this world can afford that kind of treatment? Not many people will be able to afford fertility treatment. But everybody can afford to get into the Word of God for free and take a hold of this scripture and stand on this scripture and say, in the name of Jesus, we will be fertile. I was reading the testimony of a brother the other day and uh, the lady couldn't give birth for some reason. They didn't state why she couldn't give birth. She knew she would not be able to give birth. And so the, the, the brother came to ask for the hand of the lady in marriage and the lady said, well, I need to tell you, I will not be able to give you children. So do you want to get married or not? And the man said, well, let me spend time to pray about it. That's why you should, you should look for a God-fearing man. Just not some people who say, well, you can't give birth. Oh, not me. <laughs> and the man went to pray and the Lord impressed in his heart that, yeah, go ahead and marry her. That's your wife. Listen, they, she knew she would not be able to give birth. They agreed on that. Like, not, not agreed on not being able to give it, but they, she knew. He knew. And so they said, well, I, we want to get married. Whether we, we can have kids or not, it's not the issue we want to get married. So they got married. But the man said, you know what? We're going to believe God that you will have children. They got on the word of God eight years after. They had a triplet. They lost one of them. They had a triplet. And then so they had twins, kids. Today, they have children. Glory to God. And they tried, they tried all of this successful stuff. It didn't work out for them. They had to resign. Of course, first of all, they prayed and everything. Then they went for all the medical option in the U.S. and everything. It didn't work. But after a while, they just resigned and said, well, you know what? God, we'll just stay on the word. If we have children, fine. If we don't have children, it's okay. Some people don't know it's when you come to that place that you are really in faith. You know, sometimes you just come to it. How many of you have had things like that? You are praying about something. It looks like it is. You just say, you see what? If you want to solve yourself, no problem. Just let it. Just, okay, stay there. You realize that that is actually when you've entered the rest of faith. Right? You know, it's like somebody who is trusting God for the fruit of the womb. And is trusting God. And, you know, every month they are checking. Oh, did blood show up? Oh, did blood show up? Oh, did blood show up? You know, some, some people are expecting, you know, is blood going to show up? And, and, and if you're still having those anxiety and worries, you've not gotten into faith. Faith puts your mind at rest. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So he says, there will be no miscarriage or infertility in your land. Glory to God. And I will give you long, full lives. That's the New Living Translation. I will give you long, full lives. So when he says, the number of your days will I fulfill, what he means is, I'm going to give you long and full lives. Not short. God didn't promise us short life in the scripture. He promised us long life. Long life with the blessing. Glory to God. Long life with the blessing. Long life with the blessing. God wants us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God wants us to live long. Amen. Let's do this final scripture and then we're going to build from this next week. We're still dealing with this now. Developing an inner image of longevity. Go to Psalm 105, verse 37. 
Thank you, Lord. I mean, these are scriptures you know already, but just spend time meditating on them, feeding your eyes on them. Praise God. Psalm 105, verse 37. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 105, verse 37. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. There was not one feeble person. Over three million people, Bible history tells us, left the land of Egypt, head into the land of Canaan. They walked. <laughs> I mean, these guys were in the wilderness. They were not traveling on, on an high expressway. Exposed to all kinds of weather. Exposed to all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> they were working. They were trekking. And the Bible says, none was feeble. Come on. The one question is, what kept them? It's the power of God. And I want you to see this tonight, right? That the power of God can keep our bodies. And even me, you know, I, 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 I used to spend a lot of time just feeding on healing. And, and I can count the number of days in my life that I've been sick. But as I began to study this, I just told myself, come on now, I'm beginning to even slack on this thing. And I need to go back on it and meditate on it and feed my spirit in it. Because there are things I'm taking right now that I shouldn't be taking. You know, I'm tired. Every minute you're tired. Every minute your body's, oh, oh. And you know what you're doing? You ask yourself, come on, what kept these people? Why were they not feeble? Why were they not feeble? Because God was keeping them. Can that God still keep us today? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. You remember Caleb? Caleb said, God promised me this mountain 40 years ago. 40 years after, I'm well able to take this mountain. When the man said, I'm well able to take this mountain, he wasn't saying, I'm well able to sign a contract and get the land. The man is saying, I'm well able to fight for that mountain. Because in those days... You didn't just get a piece of land by signing a contract. You went to fight the people off the land. At 80, the man was ready to go to battle to fight for what God promised them. 40 years. I mean, can you imagine 40 years the man kept the promise of God in his heart? For 40 years. I mean, for some people, if God promises you something for 40 years, before that 40 years, as they love, they are dead and gone and the promise is still there. And that's why there are things that God has spoken to you in your life right now that will come to pass as you live on. And if we want to see all of God's blessings and word come to pass in our life, we need to be here on earth as long as, as we can. And observe my words. I'm not saying as long as God permits. I'm saying as long as we can. Because God has permitted us to live long. And we, are, we shouldn't throw this thing on God. We shouldn't pull it back on God. We shouldn't throw this responsibility on God. Because I'll show you from scriptures we progress. Paul made a choice about his death. He said, if I'm with you, it's beneficial for you. If I'm gone, it's beneficial for me. He said, but I'll choose to stay. God says, I'll place before you life and death. Choose life that you and your sons may live. So it means every day we make a choice if we want to live. By confession. And I feel that by the things we feed in our spirits, 
You know, every time we call, I mean, I was talking about it today that we need to find a way with this whole social media thing because every time you pick up your phone, somebody dying, dead somewhere. I mean, just look at, let's look at our lives right now, even now, right? Look at, we're just coming out of two months of, uh, you know, gradual coming out of two months of, uh, what is it, stuff now, COVID stuff, right? And every day, we're just looking at the numbers. Five new cases, 17 new cases. You know, I used to follow that thing. <laughs> I used to follow it. Every night, I checked the news. 20 new cases, 14 dead, 50 discharged, 17 new cases. Ah, at a point, I asked myself, so what are you checking this thing for right now? And, and, and we just finished that whole thing, and we trust God, and we just pray for those who have lost loved ones, and the Lord just comfort their heart. And then, Bam! We're almost coming out of that and saying, oh God, we thank you. And then we're hearing of rape cases. And we're hearing of uh, riots. Can, can you imagine, can you see how we are all surrounded by this thing called death? In, in whatever form it takes. The form of disease, form of accident, form of human injustice. And so, when we live in a world like that, our taste bud for death is almost, almost snared. And yet you now make people, you know, you now hear people make statements like, you know, you can't tell. You don't know when it is your turn. You know, all death is dead. One day you cannot just tell. You know, you, you understand that? And they are making all of that assertion based on how they see death around them. It's almost like we hear so much of death that we are almost immune if the numbers are small. You just hear that six people died. Ah, thank God it's only six. You know, you're almost like that. You're not like... You know, the numbers have to be up for you to get a hold of your heart. That this, no, this shouldn't happen. So what's happening? And the Lord began to correct me concerning that. What's happening? Our, our, our spirit man and our, uh, our consciousness is being snared towards that. Surely when you live in a continent of ours that has a lot of senseless killings, you're almost deadened to that aspect. You're almost expecting to go anytime. Or, or living in fear of death. And I'm going to deal with that in the book of Hebrews. Because that's one thing God came to destroy. To destroy the power and the bondage that the fear of death has over his sons. And I'm telling you, this is interesting. This is going to be interesting this month. As we dig into this and feast our eyes on developing an image of longevity. Because God wants us strong and healthy. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We make adjustments right now, Father God, where our confession is concerned. We make adjustments where our hearts and expectation is concerned. We make a commitment to get into the Word of God and find out what your plan is for us regarding the longevity of our life. And we make a commitment to feed our spirit with the truths of the Scriptures. And in the name of Jesus, we know it is your will that we will live long, healthy, and fruitful life with the blessing of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email 
info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.